Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about the instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. I've switched my insurance to the FTA and think you will too after you check them out. This episode is also brought to you by Barrel Block. Listen, if you are tuning into this podcast, I assume you've heard of Barrel Block. It's the industry standard for safe, dry fire practice and classroom demos with a real firearm. Barrel Block prevents negligent discharges and eliminates training scars. I love using Barrel Block with students because it's safe and puts everyone at ease. When installed, and remember, no tools or disassembly required to use it, everyone in the room or on the firing line can see that the firearm is safe and inert. Plus, given the price, I can't imagine a firearm instructor who wouldn't have one in their classroom gear and one at home for personal dry fire use. Pick yours up today and enjoy a special offer for listeners of this podcast at blocksafety.com and use code instructor20 for a 20% off discount. That's B-L-O-K safety.com. Today we'll be discussing why traditional training is dead with Jason Speller. Jason is responsible for the development of the National Law Enforcement Draw School Firearms Training Program and co-inventor of the Barrel Block Safety and Training Aid. Jason Speller has vastly improved how law enforcement officers, police departments across the country regularly train with their firearms. He now brings his teaching style and unique methods to civilian on the new Draw Academy online training system. Jason has trained law enforcement officers and instructors from coast to coast with phenomenal results. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Rob. Good to be with you today. Great. Uh, as we're getting ready for this podcast, I can't tell you how excited I was to talk to you because this is exactly the same kind of stuff that I want to find out to make myself a better instructor. And I think everybody who's listening to this podcast is going to go along and say, wow, I never, ever thought about training like this. So, I mean, I'm really, really excited to have you on. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. It's, uh, you know, what we teach is, is highly unique. Uh, it's different. Uh, and in a area of our world that has been dictated by tradition for many decades, um, it takes a little bit of a learning curve to to understand and process this. So we're excited to share it with the audience. Yeah, we've already done one podcast on uh, why dogmatic training is uh, bad, just going one way, doing things. And I think you're going to take us to a new, new whole level. So Sounds good. Tell us, why is traditional firearm training dead that we've all done the last 10 years? Yeah, and, and if you think about what firearms training has consisted of over the last 30, 40 years, it really has been based on a lot of tradition. A lot of that tradition has been family-based, uh, whether it was handing down the uh, skills of learning to hunt or just recreational shooting in general. Uh, and, and even when you look at the seven fundamentals of firearms marksmanship, which is, is taught widely in all 50 states, all of this is predicated on one simple premise, and that is shooting at a static target from a static position. So the target's not moving, you're not moving, and yet these fundamentals are being uh, used to teach people how to shoot uh, in a, a time in our world where the majority of gun sales uh, 
really are leaning more towards defensive use. And so if you try to take something that is static and apply it to a dynamic world, the two don't interact very well. And in a lot of cases, what we see is is that it actually creates problems uh, more than helping. So uh, when you look at those overall traditional aspects of how people have been shooting for, for 30, 40, 50 years, the world has changed, but how we shoot has not. Definitely. Uh, you know, I can remember the shotgun at the old farmhouse behind the door. And if there was a problem, you went and went and got it. And I got taught, you know, dad taking me out to the, you know, backfield and, you know, there was a tree, something else like that teaching. That's definitely not the way that we instruct students uh, these days. Absolutely. It, it, it's changed. And um, for, for whatever reason, and there are multiple reasons, but for, for, many reasons we see that traditional firearms training uh, has been very, very slow to change. And if you look at everything else in the world, can you imagine, Rob, if 30 years ago where technology was at that time, if everyone said, hey, look, uh, we've been doing it this way for 20 years. And and because it's tradition, we're going to continue to do it this way. Could you imagine where our technology would be today? We would not be having this podcast. We would not be out having this conversation. We wouldn't have uh, smartphones either. Exactly. <laughs> We'd have the old so, rotary dial phones. Absolutely. And so everything in our world, everything in our environment continues to change, to advance, and to adapt. But unfortunately, when we look at firearms training, that has not been the case. Well, how have you got made this breakthrough and going along and understanding how to change firearm training. I mean, if it's worked so well for so many years, what are you basing uh, your system on, uh, you know, what you're talking about today? Well, a couple of things. Number one, excuse me. Number one is a firearms instructor working with uh, law enforcement officers back in 2012, 2013. We started to see a lot of problems uh, that law enforcement officers were having during their firearms training and qualifications uh, that were truly based on the training that they had initially received. Uh, So for instance, uh, getting into a good stance, getting out of the holster quickly, uh, being able to uh, use a a good grip on the firearm, good sight alignment, sight picture, and those things, all fundamentals. And again, those were things that were all taught in the academy. Uh, However, depending on who we were training, we would see four or five different styles of shooting on the line throughout the course of a qualification, for example. Uh, And then we started asking those students, well, who taught you? How long has that instructor been instructing? Uh, You know, some of these instructors have been instructing uh, law enforcement firearms for 25, 30 years. So, you know, back in, in, in 2012, 2013, you subtract 25 years from that, a lot of those instructors were shooting revolvers back in the day. And so there was a lot of carryover from revolvers to semi-automatics, something that really does not interact very well. Uh, And so uh, we started seeing all of these different problems. We started seeing these these challenges that the officers were having. And then we started to overlay a lot of that with the dash cam videos. And, And of course, back in 2012, 2013, uh, we had, you know, the, the start of the push of body worn cameras. So we were starting to get access to some of those videos, uh, back in the early days of those programs. And as we looked at what we were seeing on the range and we looked at what we were seeing in these videos, it was very clear that the problems and the challenges that these officers were facing was based solely on the training that they were receiving. 
And so you, you take these old traditional methods of training and you try to adapt them to real world dynamic situations. And unfortunately, the two just don't mix very well. And so that opened our eyes to ask the question, how can we do this better? What do we need to do to truly take a step outside of the box and look at what is available to us today in a, in a, in a more innovative, advanced and progressive manner that can help us to develop a firearms training program that truly brings firearms training into the 21st century? And, and so when I say that we looked outside of the box, we truly did from the standpoint that we didn't even go to other firearms instructors. Uh, and the reason why was because everybody's rehashing the same thing, putting their own spin on it. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're still teaching the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what we did was, is because of where we are here in the Central Carolina region, we wanted to go to another arena, if you will, where individuals are required to perform very specific functions uh, under tremendous amounts of stress and also while performing very physically demanding activities. And so we actually teamed up with Olympic doctors, athletic trainers, and neurologists uh, here in the Central Carolina region where we have a very rich sports heritage. And so we went to these folks and we said, hey, look, you know, police officers, for example, when they're involved in an OIS, an officer-involved shooting, it's a high-stress situation. It's high-stress mentally. It's high-stress physically. You know, they're, they're required to process tremendous amounts of information in a very short amount of time. They have to be able to perform specific physical functions. They have to interact with a mechanical device. Uh, and they have to do all of this while following the law. So how can we use what you all have done to help us help law enforcement officers. And so they were very uh, giving of their time and, and their research. And of course, you know, especially with some of these Olympic uh, teams and these doctors and athletic trainers, they spend tens of millions of dollars on research to learn how to get every ounce of physical performance in every ounce of mental fortitude, if you will, out of these athletes so that they can perform at a very high degree. And so when we started to look at these various aspects of how they're training athletes, it became very apparent that, hey, this is part of the missing aspect or the, the missing part of what we need in firearms training. So we really delved in very uh, deeply. We started to look at this. Uh, and interestingly, when these uh, doctors and these athletic trainers started to work with us, the very first thing that they did, Rob, and this is extremely interesting, it was a shock to us. They took the firearm completely out of the picture. And they said, we don't, we don't want to know what the firearm does. We just need to know what do you need the brain and the body to do? Wow, so that's a different way of approaching things. It, it really is. You know, we need the brain to be able to process tremendous amounts of information under high stress. We need the body to be able to move very quickly and we need the body to be able to perform both gross and fine motor functions all at the same time. And they looked at us and said, well, that's what we teach athletes to do all the time. Yeah. That'd be like a track race with a uh, passing baton, you know, on a, on a relay race, you know, for in the Olympics, something else like that, where you need the fine motor, gross motor. And you also need to have the mental fortitude to, you know, how do you get there when you're, you know, when you're falling behind and people are rain, racing past you, that, that sounds like super stress. And then tell us how they applied that. So the way that they applied it was to say, uh, 
number one, the way that you're training is not necessarily wrong, but there's a lot of things that go against the way that the brain and the body naturally perform functions in, in various sequences. And I'll give you a good example of that. If you look at the seven fundamentals of firearms marksmanship and you take just the first two, typically the way that it's written and the way that it is taught is grip first and stance second. But in a high stress situation, the way that your brain is going to perform those steps is always going to be stance and preparation of the body first, while you then go for the firearm, acquire your grip and draw. The other thing that they said is, is that when you look at the process of gripping the firearm, that's just one of several parts of a sequence that the brain has to perform simultaneously to get the firearm out of the holster and on target. So if you're only looking at just grip alone, that's just one part of the equation. You're missing three or four additional steps depending on the level of security of your holster, whether you've got you know, a level one, level two, or level three uh, security holster in terms of your retention devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of the, they looked at everything. Uh, and then once we figured all of those aspects out, then they entered uh, or they brought back in rather the firearm. And then they started looking at, okay, what are the energies that this produces? How fast does that energy travel? As that energy is traveling through the body, what is it doing to the body? How does the brain react to that energy? How does the body compensate for that energy? Uh, and, and what we actually started to see was that much of what we've been teaching uh, over the last few decades is actually false. There's a lot of myths with what we've been taught. Wow. <laughs> you've opened up a can of worm with, with all that, but yeah, I'm, I, what are some of those myths that you've, uh, you found as you were working with these Olympic, uh, uh, doctors and things like that? You know, there's, uh, pr- probably one of the biggest ones, and I know that this is more of a, of a cliche or a phrase that's tossed around a lot. It, one of the biggest ones is muscle memory. We hear that all the time. If you do something repetitively, you know, somehow, some way that the muscles are going to have this ability, this miraculous ability to uh, remember that function and then in a high stress situation be able to perform it. Well, muscles don't have the ability to retain through memory anything. All of that function starts in the brain, it works its way through the central nervous system, and those electrical impulses are then what fire the muscles in specific sequences to perform a physical function. So, All of the training that we have developed is it actually starts with understanding how the brain learns, if you will, and then how those processes actually build up stronger connections in the brain that allow more electrical signals to travel quicker through the central nervous system to the muscles to cause that actuation of the body to perform a physical function. And that's what they're training athletes to do. Uh, So, so very short focused training cycles actually have much more training benefit than training for four, six, or eight hours a day. Um, And so that was one of the big things that we learned, this process of building up synaptic memory and how that works, and how through very simple processes, you can exponentially speed up your physical performance uh, uh, better than you can in any other way, in any other kind of training uh, and do it in a way that it actually becomes very instinctive to you in a very short period of time. So we've been able to apply that, for instance, in law enforcement training that we do. Uh, we literally can spend a few hours with these officers, and when they walk out that door, they have a new skill that has become instinctive to them that they can immediately put to use on the street. 
That that is uh, really cool, and there's quite a bit of similarity between being you know, law enforcement carrying on the street and being a uh, armed uh, civilian to where you need to go along and be able to perform certain actions underneath under stress, and you have to perform properly and within the parameters of the law, or else you know, just like an officer involved shooting, you know, they can have a lot of repercussions. And from a civilian standpoint, obviously, it can have a lot of uh, repercussions uh, along those ways. Yeah, absolutely. Another area that we really looked at uh, in terms of just the progressive nature of our training has was recoil energy. We hear the terms recoil management or recoil control uh, or controlling recoil. We hear those tossed around a lot of times. And what we found out is, is that the speed at which the recoil energy travels through the body when you pull the trigger is actually faster than what the brain of the typical individual can actually process to counteract that force. So there's no such thing as recoil management. Uh, And when we've started to break that process down and look at how we not just grip a firearm, but more so how we interface with it. And interfacing is important because we have a mechanical object that we're holding that creates two different energies. So if we're just gripping the firearm, we're missing 90% of the equation. So when we talk about recoil mitigation, it's what you do before you pull the trigger that has the greatest impact on your shooting uh, rather than what you do after you pull the trigger. So when you look at traditional grips and a lot of the things that are being taught out there today, they really do focus on recoil management. How do I manage this force after I pull the trigger and as it's traveling through my body? The unfortunate part is, as I alluded to, is the brain can't process that. It's traveling too fast. And that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of follow-up shots have horrible, horrible accuracy rates because folks are overcorrecting because now they're trying to deal with an energy that for all intents and purposes has already left the body, but the brain is trying to control it based on the initial information input, if you will. And so we have a lot of overcorrecting and missing targets. And that's one of the things that we saw in terms of law enforcement officers in some of these OIS situations was their accuracy was horrible because they were trained how to manage recoil. But if we learn to interface with those energies that are created and how to give those energies a predictable path to travel through our body to where the gun can actually function and cycle on its own at a faster pace and we can get that energy out of our body, that negative recoil energy out of our body quicker, we can actually have follow-up shots where the gun is doing the work for us and all we're doing is, is keeping it on the target. Uh, And what that's allowed us to do is to teach officers how to shoot at an extremely fast pace with a tremendous amount of accuracy, even in dynamic situations. Yeah, that's uh, that's really, really interesting because you were describing that we can train our brains to do a lot of stuff. We can change our body movements. But the one thing we can't change is what that firearm is going to do. We pull the trigger, it's going to go bang, and all those forces are going to be coming back into our body. And that's where what our stance is, what our grip is, all that other kind of stuff has got to be proper before we actually press that trigger or else things are going to go wild, especially if we're doing you know quick follow-up shots. Absolutely. And, and all of those things that you mentioned, the stance, your grip, uh, how we're holding the firearm, all of those processes have to be absolutely immediate. And they have to be absolutely instinctive. 
Yeah, you, can't, situ- you can't sit there and decide where you're going to place your foot when somebody all of a sudden, you know, you get into that situation where it's life and death. Exactly. And, and so anything that we do has to become instinctive. You know, the, the second that that situation evolves, we're not going to have time to get into a perfect stance. But if we've practiced certain aspects of the stance in terms of how to instinctively balance our body, that actually opens up more conscious focusing power on the threat that our brain doesn't have to use to keep the body balanced, which is extremely important. We teach a very simple concept. When the body is balanced, the brain is happy. If the body is imbalanced, the brain is very unhappy. And so that has a lot to do with your subconscious processing power in the brain and the conscious processing power in the brain. And that's a, it's, it was a very interesting concept that we learned that they work with athletes all the time on this. You know, when you see these football players make these crazy one-handed, over-the-head, behind-the-back catches with these footballs and stuff, you know, we all look at that in amazement. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is that the athletic trainers are working with these football players and they're teaching them how to balance the body in certain ways to make these incredible catches that entertain us all. The, thing, the same thing can be applied to firearms training. And that's what we have focused on is that when that incident pops, when, whenever whatever's going to take place happens at that instant, regardless of what you're doing or how your body is positioned, being able to utilize certain fundamentals of mental and physical balance to make sure that you maintain a higher performance level that you can get that firearm out on target and then take whatever decisive action you need to take. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking about that football and, and I can only imagine if I'm sitting there diving for a pass, there's no way in the world I can be sitting there saying in my brain, put your arm out, put it in this area and, you know, watch that ball go right to it because it's a split second. It's very similar to a life and death uh, situation to where you've got to draw and you get, can't be sitting there thinking about your grip and your tr- where your trigger finger is and everything else like that. you got to know that your body's balanced and you can push that forward on the target and do what ne- needs to be done, just like that football player making that miraculous you know, goal line, uh, uh, goal line uh, uh, catch, something along those lines. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And being able to do all of that with a tremendous amount of accuracy is, is the key, uh, especially in a lot of the urban environments uh, that our, our listeners and their students are going to be in. Uh, there's just too many things that can go wrong. So we have to make sure that what happens on our end goes right. And, and that's the key. Um, you've got to make sure that when you make that decision for that firearm to leave the holster, that you have control over everything as much as possible as it depends on you for things to go right. And that will help to mitigate other aspects of risk uh, or, or uh, liability on your end uh, as that process or as that, that uh, situation develops. That's something that popped in my head, and I'm sure probably uh, might be some of the things that the people are listening. Does what, you're, what you researched and what you teach, does that transcend whether I'm carrying a Glock or whether I'm carrying a Springfield or a Beretta uh, 92 or a Colt uh, 1911, even a revolver, does that transcend all, all the different firearms to where this is, should be a new baseline to how we teach the, teach how to use any kind of firearm? Rob, it really does. Not just uh, handguns, but shotguns and rifles as well. It doesn't matter the make, the model. It doesn't even matter the platform. 
when you learn the, the fundamentals of how the brain and the body work, especially in a high stress situation with the techniques that we've developed, it will make you a faster pistol shooter. It will make you a faster shotgun shooter. It will make you a faster rifle shooter. Uh, and your ability to be able to shoot and move, uh, even if you're shooting in, in, at a moving target, it is going to in, uh, dramatically increase your ability to engage with tremendous speed and accuracy. Wow. So getting back to where I learned how to shoot shotgun out on the farm, you're telling me that I should should use that when I'm going out bird hunting or rabbit hunting, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, well, you have to understand that with certain platforms uh, and, and the environment that that platform is being used in, there are going to be different applications. For instance, if I'm running a rifle in an urban environment where we are simulating an active shooter situation or something of that sort, I'm going to handle that platform a little bit differently than if I were out in a deer stand deer hunting. Uh, or if I was uh, walking through the flatlands quail hunting, uh, you know, so there are there are some aspects that will change based on the platform that you're using and the environment that you're using it in. But overall, especially from a defensive standpoint, when you're shooting the techniques in the in the draw school and the draw academy methods that we teach are, are, are definitely hands down the best. Wow. I mean, that's that's real, real exciting stuff to hear. You know, that in the draw academy, you have, uh, you know, something that's gr that groundbreaking because like I said, in a defensive situation, one thing, but you, we also have those situations to where, you know, we're using shotgun, using a rifle, uh, that knowing how to use those platforms more effectively to, to better interface. And I think interface is a real good descriptive word for it. Our mental uh, abilities with the physical ability of the uh, gun is extremely important. And that's where, you know, yeah, we, we all watch in awe, you know, Sunday football, or we watch track stars on, at the Olympics or anything else like that. And you can imagine that they've got to have that down and they've got to know what to do without having to sit there and think about, you know, I'm a Olympic figure skater. I can't sit there and think about where to put my skate, my foot every time I've got to know where it's going to be. And to your point, be in balance the entire time. If I'm in balance, then I can probably do some tremendous uh, aerobatics on my skates. If I'm not in balance, well, then I'm going to drop the football, uh, you know, on that goal line pass. So that's uh, some really, really cool stuff. Well, Jason, I know you've, we've uh, thrown a lot of stuff out there for people and there's probably a few people besides me that are going along thinking, where can I find more information out about this? Because this is exciting stuff. Yeah, you know, the, the, the primary uh, function of what we do is law enforcement training. So if you're a law enforcement instructor or a law enforcement officer and you want to learn more about this, you can go to our website, which is draw, D-R-A-W, drawtraining.com. Uh, and there's information uh, and videos on that website. If you're a civilian, uh, either a civilian instructor or a civilian uh, 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 shooter, uh, you can go to draw-academy.com. Again, that's draw-academy.com uh, for information on our civilian program. Uh, and those two programs are very specific to the audiences that they cater to. Uh, there there are, are some similarities, but there are also some differences uh, that are specific to that audience. 
Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's really, really good information. Get out there and people can learn more about this because I think as we find more out about it, people are going to want to want to use this modern technique to be able to engage our students and make our students the best they can be. So that's really Absolutely. good. Now, if, if you have uh, listeners that are going to the draw-academy.com website and they're interested in uh, becoming a member and signing up for the uh, annual membership for the online training system, which is the entire Draw Academy training in a video self-paced instructor-led format, uh, if they want to use the promo code FTP30, that's for FTP for Firearms Trainer Podcast, they'll get $30 off that annual uh, training membership. Very neat. Very, very neat. Um, do you offer uh, instructor programs for, the, uh, for them to bring their students on also? Uh, not on the civilian side yet. That is something that we'll, we'll be bringing uh, into the mix a little bit later on this year. Uh, but we do have uh, instructor programs that we teach on the law enforcement side. And we teach those all over the country. Uh, with some of the largest departments in the country. Uh, and, you know, our goal is to help our law enforcement community, help the men and women that serve our community every day uh, to be a little bit faster, a whole lot more accurate, and uh, much, much safer out there uh, on the street, given the environments that they're facing today. Mm-hmm. Yep. want everybody to be safe out there in, in what we do. All right. So thank you. Thank you, Jason, uh, for that information. That about wraps things up for today. If you enjoyed today's show, we have a few important requests to make of you. First, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Visit our sponsor, Firearm Trainers Association at FTA Protect, and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, being a, res- being a responsible instructor means having insurance. And if you use promo code FTP10, you get 10% off your policy with them. And if you have any questions, feedback, input, please feel free to email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com and also leave us a rating on iTunes or Google Play. And last but not least, remember, tell our instructors about this. Uh, What Jason gave us today is really exciting information. I'm going to be going over, checking out the Draw Academy website, seeing how that will work for me. And I'm sure there's other people we know that could benefit from this podcast and other podcasts. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the second amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable until next time. Stay safe. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.